Thanks for being here today. It's delightful to have people to worship with. Um, I did have a, uh, a request that I'm just all over this morning. So we want to welcome Anna from Idaho. We want to welcome, that's right, uh, Tyler. Tyler and Madeline from Idaho who are watching, and Brooke. So uh, we miss you. And, and, Pam. and Pam. Oh, and Pam, that's right. She went back as well. So Pam as well. So um, yeah, uh, welcome from Idaho. Um, I don't know. It might be 60 today. It was a little bit too warm for my jacket. So I don't know what it is in Idaho, but I, I think we're maybe just a little bit warmer. Just a hair, just a hair. Um, we're in a series that's eight sermons long. It's just like, that's a long series. It is, but it's a radical transformation for Christ. It takes time. And uh, by the way, we've got a new members class after church today. And um, there's, still, there's still room if you want to be a part of that today and either learn about what it is to become a member and also we talk about baptism as well. Um, we're not a baptismal regeneration church. We don't believe that baptism completes your salvation. But, uh, but we do believe that after you become born again, then you walk in obedience to Christ and get baptized. And it's a, it's a tremendous uh, step of faith that's exhilarating, absolutely exhilarating. Jesus, uh, right now, would you guide and direct our steps for this message? It's your message, so help me to get out of the way. Help us to be uniquely transformed and leave different from when we came today to worship. We love you. We await your physical return. And we're excited about all things you have going and doing in our lives. Bless this, this next 20, 30 minutes, Lord. Bless it is the only way you can, Jesus. And uh, that we would call and cry out to you in so many different ways. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, he asked us to follow him but I'm not finding his blog anywhere. <laughs> it was good. Not bad. The free cartoons, they're holding their own. They really are. Yeah, yeah. Pretty nice. Guy named Davis, though. Um, yeah. Glad he put that together. Hey, last week we had a quote, and it was by David Platt. And uh, as we get further in this series, more things will be kind of revealed about um, David Platt and his life and his journey of walking with Christ and, and influencing others in Christ. But he says we are giving in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus we are more comfortable with. And we faced that last week. 
Remember I said I'm attempting to blur key passages, Bible passages, to justify my chance to live the American dream? It's, it's true. Um, and, and we all have made adjustments for the American dream to be able to live that out and say that we're, we're following this dream and we're prosperous and God has provided far more than what we need in many cases. And so we're, we're kind of challenging that idea to live out scripture for what it says versus out scripture through the American dream lens. We're challenged by that last week. And here are some uh, couple verses and things we talked about. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yeah, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. By the way, by the way, remember hate. You're not going to hate your mom and dad and your, and your kids and everything. You're not going to hate them. But your love for God is so grandiose that it seems like that. Check this out right here. King James Version. Huh? Huh? For those of you King James fans? Huh? Huh? Yeah, that's my token King James verse. Um, and I put it up there so I, I could still understand it after I read it. And um, so uh, anyway, I think, Don, you went to seminary. You graduated from seminary, didn't you? Um, okay, well, yeah, you should. Yeah, okay. I prefer other translations, ESV. Um, anyway, but I use NIV also, and, and then I also like New Living. Look at this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Remember when Jesus took up his cross? It was a one-way trip. One way. And so, and so he's asking us to take up our cross and, and follow him. First century Rome this would be that a march of death to follow Christ. It's like, it's like, I don't even want somebody to say they don't want to come to my church. That hurts my feelings. This is much different in terms of persecution that we should be willing to endure and face for Christ. We take our cross. It's, it's his cross extended that to us. And so, and so we go and follow him, and it's not guaranteed to be safe. But that's what we're called to do. That's why we have missionaries that, that go out and say, God calls me home, he calls me home. I'm being obedient to a call. And it's like, okay, you know a peace <laughs> greater than what I know, and maybe someday I can come close to knowing peace that deep, that great to follow Christ that intensely. For us, it's like, we don't, we don't have crucifixion in America. We have lethal injection. So it'd be like us taking our, uh, our gurney ready for a lethal injection at any time because we're following Christ and we know we might be a target. We know we might be a target of persecution. We might be a target of irritation. <laughs> you ever try to like, Share somebody, you know, the gospel, and then all of a sudden they come across to say that you've irritated me. Now give me some time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Okay, so anyway, just that's just a review. <laughs> and then the challenge was how will we step out in faith today to change an unhealthy routine that we have in place so that greater joy would come to our life? 
what would we change? Let me tell you about my two things. I had two things. Uh, one is Liz and I, um, Liz and I, we talked about having a day that's just us, where we would focus on like our marriage and, and relationship. And then we poo-pooed it. Ah, yeah, let's make appointments on Friday. Yeah, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. Well, it hit again <laughs> that, that we're not okay. <laughs> so so we, we, we rededicated our Fridays to Jesus. Um, we, and, 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 and you know what? I didn't get any calls anyway. It's not like I'm like, people are ringing my, my phone, you know, off the hook to want to talk to me. No, it's not like that. Um, and so, but we spent the day and we spent the night together. And um, it, it was a good move. It was a good move to say no to ministry so we could be better balanced. So that was it. And then the church, oh, the church yesterday, we had a big meeting. And we talked about Project Hope. And we talked about trunk or treat. And we, and we prayed a month before, like intensely. And we made changes, or we're looking to make changes, about how we can present the gospel better at these events. How can we make sure we present Jesus and how to know Jesus in a relationship? How can, we, how can you know that when you leave the event? So, so we've, we've revamped a lot of things so we could be less worldly-minded, and greater intentionally follow Christ-minded. And so it's exhilarating, making changes like that. That came out of the challenge last week, and, uh, and so that was very cool. Hey, speaking of stepping out in faith, speaking of stepping out in faith, God, I brought my glasses. I had my glasses just a moment ago. Oh, here they are. I want to just read you about somebody who stepped out in faith. Christopher Love, Christopher Love, born 1618, died August 1651, Presbyterian preacher and activist during the English Civil War. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me take a little bit of the, uh, an excerpt out of this book that I'm reading for like the fifth time. <laughs> um, in seminary, they say, find a good book and read it ten times. Well, that'd be the Bible. <laughs> but uh, if you have another book, find a book that you really like spiritually that encourages you and read it 10 times. Read it over and over and over. So uh, you just, the Holy Spirit gives you new births, new things there. But talk about stepping out in faith. Think about our challenge to step out in faith, what God might be calling you to do and me to do in this. Context. Since the day countless men and since the day that Christ made a sacrifice for us. He died on the cross. He arose three days later. It says countless men and women in the history hung on crosses. They were burned there. Many of them went to their crosses singing. One Christian in India, while becoming skinned alive, looked at his persecutors and said, I thank you for this. Tear off my old garment, for I will soon put on Christ's garment of righteousness. As he prepared to head into this execution, Christopher Love wrote a note to his wife saying, Today they will sever me from my physical head, but they cannot sever me from my spiritual head, Christ. As he walked to his death, his wife applauded while he sang of glory. Oh! Goosebumps. Christ was that worth it. 
Jesus' death and his resurrection, his payment for our sin was that impacting. Speaking of Christ on the cross and dying for our faith, how about, how about this? Let's put it in a little different <coughs> context here. Jesus, in the garden, the night before he was crucified. Remember, we talked about the crucifixion. We talked about the fact that people have seen Christ as so worthy, there's no end to what they will do. And so let's look at this. Take a look at these two translations. So Jesus, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus would always acquiesce to the Father, what the Father wants to have done. And you see that. And you see the Holy Spirit acquiesce to Jesus and the Father. It's a unique subordination. And I say that word really weirdly lightly, uh, but it does. Jesus, Jesus, and, and still 100% God, 100% um, 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 deity, didn't lose any of that, but he came to do his Father's will. So as you look at this, New Living Translation at the bottom, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Do you see, do you see kind of the, the question and the struggle here? Let's take it a step further. In Luke 22, 42, look at this. This was 22, 42, sorry. This is 22, 44. So see that, 22, 42. Here's 22, 44. It says that Jesus was full of anguish, sweating drops of blood. He was... He was stressed. And I want us to think about something. He was stressed. Garden of Gethsemane, night before his crucifixion. Gonna go pay for our sins so we could live. But think about this. By the way, there's a condition that somebody sweats blood, where, where blood seeps into the sweat glands. Anybody know what that's called? Starts with an H. Okay. I knew it the other day, but I forgot it. Okay, but there is a condition that doctors have discovered that this, I mean, this is a reality. This, this does happen. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Ha, ha, ha. Pastor said that once. Okay, not, not me. Thinking about the painful crucifixion on the cross that Jesus would soon endure for all humanity. What is the cup? What is the cup? that Jesus was referring to in Luke twenty-two forty-two, that he wanted taken away. What was the cup? Who said that? That's beautiful. Because what I thought you would say is the nails hammered to that cross, the spear in the side, 
crown of thorns. You know, all of, all of that. And then I was going to come back and say, no. <laughs> How about the wrath of the Jews and the Romans? No. They'll feel like they got the upper hand. No. No, no. This is what, Jenny, say it again. What's the reason? This is about taking on God's divine judgment and wrath. Jesus was the object of his father's wrath. Get this. I quote the book one more time. Get this picture. Let's see how one preacher describes this wrath of God and Jesus' sacrifice. One preacher describes it as if, as if I were standing a short hundred yards away from a dam of water 10,000 miles high and 10,000 miles wide. You got the picture? All of a sudden that dam was breached and the torrential flood of water came crashing towards us. Right before it reached our feet, the ground in front of us opened up and swallowed it all. At the cross, Christ drank the full cup of the wrath of God. And when he had drowned the last drop, he turned the cup over and cried out, It is finished. Oh, for you and for me. This is the gospel. The just and loving creator of the universe has looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent his son, God, in the flesh to bear his wrath against us, against sin, excuse me, on the cross and to show his power over sin in the resurrection so that all who trust in him will be reconciled to God forever. Are we indebted to God forever? <laughs> is there anything in our life this morning, yesterday, on Friday, is there anything that would let people know that we're indebted to God? Anything? I mean, you just think about your day and your night. And you think, well, no, that wasn't good. I offended somebody then. Well, then go back and make it right. And then you'll walk in that joy and that peace. It'll be an exhilarating experience in life when you make things that are wrong right before Christ. This indebtedness. Hey, so, so really we come to church. God is mercy. God is grace. What's the other thing? God is, what did I miss? What did I miss, people? God is love. Thank you. Yes. Oh, fiddle, hang on. Oh, hang on. Da, 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 da. Um, God is love. God is love. And so, and so I'm today wanting to bring out just some additional points. God's also a God of wrath. No, don't preach like that. That's not why I go to church. I need love and encouragement so I can go about and have the rest of my day my way 
and feel good about just the fact that I was here blessing others. Now he's a God of wrath. He's, uh, he's, he's holy. He's, he's a righteous judge. He's a God of justice. He's, he's, he's Habakkuk 1.13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. And that's why in Habakkuk, he assigned the scuzzy Babylonians. He assigned some scuzzy sinful people to wipe out his southern kingdom. <laughs> yeah. He's a God of wrath. He's a God of wrath. And so, and so let's just think about indebtedness and wrath as I go back a couple of slides. I don't know how I got these out of order, but I did. And uh, it doesn't matter because when God wants it done a certain way, he wins. Knowing this, what we know, would we still show up to church if we were to take away the music worship? And that's good music worship. Would we still show up to church and the comfortable chairs and the heater and the people and the indoor bathrooms, would we still come to church knowing God is who he is? to study God's word? Some of us would. Some of us would be like, nope, high desert church. Nope, nope, nope. We get to sing, we get to sing even more songs there. I don't know. I don't know if you do or don't. But, but to study God's word. Are, are, are you that in love with him? Because this is our mission and goal over the next six weeks after today. It's, it's, it's to absolutely, absolutely have you in love with Jesus that that's, that's what matters. And we're going to see a verse to say, okay, Lord, I can see how you can see it, that I can be helped to see it, that that's what really matters. I can see it, but they can't see it yet because I haven't talked about it. But you get the idea. How about to this? Would his word be enough to get us here? Just his word. Pastor, matter of fact, if you didn't have all this enthusiasm, I'd probably learn more because you make my blood pressure go up when you get excited and uh, it just doesn't kind of work out like, uh, uh, I don't know, if you were calm. Uh, but no, would, it, would his word be enough to get us here? How about this? Are we people who are hungry for the revelation of God? Yeah, we want that. We want that. But I don't want to have to read Habakkuk 1 and 2 before I, before I get something. I want it to be one verse, five minutes, I'm off. He doesn't work in our timetable. Isaiah 55 says his thoughts and ways are higher, they're better. They're better. What causes people around the world to risk their lives in order to know God's word? Yeah, people in China, we talked about it the last couple of weeks. They stagger going into an underground church. One goes an hour early, one goes an hour and a half early, one goes a half hour early. And then they meet so it's not obvious that they're meeting underground to talk about Jesus. It's like that's going on all around us. Who is God? We've heard for so long. He's love and he's kind. 
and he's gentle and he's patient. Who is God? But he's also, he's also a God of wrath. To Christians, he's a father who disciplines us. Case in point, here we go. Buckle up. The wrath of God. Think about this verse. The wrath of God. For those of you that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. For those of you that have family that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. For those of you who know that your neighbor, if they were to die today, would be lost, would not, would not find Christ, would not find refuge and salvation. Here's what's described in Romans chapter 1 about some people who are without Christ and who continue to be wayward and say, Ah, phooey. <laughs> Party! I can do that as a Christian. I, it just looks different. It just looks different. But, but regardless, look at this. The wrath of God is in the process of being revealed in God's abandonment of people. Wait, may it not be. Somebody can be so offensive and be so dark and evil that he lets them go and gives them, gives them, gives them away to their own flesh and desires and evilness. Yeah, look at Romans 1. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. This makes me have a little bit of an urgency to tell somebody that, that doesn't know Jesus. He can rescue you. Don't continue to be wayward. Find a church that loves Jesus and plug yourself in to hear his word. Because what he does, look at Romans 1.24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. <sighs> a sign of God we don't preach on Sundays, but we need to. Look at Romans 3, 10 through 18. I summarized it. Say, Pastor, you need a lesson in summarization. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. I don't know. This is the salient. These are the salient points. Huh? You join me in looking at them. Our state before we knew Christ. Our state. Our state of mind before we knew Christ. None are righteous. No one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. If you just go to Romans 3.10, Romans 3.11, you see that us apart from God calling us into a relationship with him, John 6.44, apart from that, we have no desire or inkling to do the things of God. And so that's why when you see people and they're just living the hellion life, you can go, okay, they don't know Christ, so let's love them and let's pour into them. Let's spend time with them so we can hopefully have them see Jesus' hands and feet through you and through me.
See, this is what the urgency is because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So how lucky are we to know this God? How lucky are we to know this God? And the plight of the wayward. Oh, we pray for people that don't know you, Jesus, to come into a relationship with you. You tell us you reveal yourself through creation in Romans 1.20. You tell us that you reveal yourself even in the ungodly through their conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. You make a way for people. Help them to see. And so Christian, fellow Christian, boy and girl, man and woman, what's our role? What do we do? What's our next step? Pastor, give me something to chew on before we leave. You've just talked about lost people and their need. Give me something. Okay, how about this? For those born again, it's for us. Take a look at this verse. It's a weird verse. You're going to go, I've heard that before. Let's talk about it. Paul writes from jail to the church at Philippi. And he writes uh, a letter. Um, I mean, this is a great church. He talks about joy 16 plus times in the letter. And he tells these believers, he tells these believers, <laughs> as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, because he visited there, and now he writes a letter to them, but much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This letter is to Christians, so it's not for justification. It's not to be made right before God. It's not for salvation. This is for sanctification. This is for sanctification. And so, and so in sanctification, we're growing in Christ. Be holy as he is holy. James, faith without works is dead. Same kind of thing. So here's what we're looking at. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be mindful that God has something for you to do today, tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, next weekend. Randy Brimrose. His, his memorial service here at 10 o'clock next Saturday. Isn't that right, John? So anybody wants to remember Randy, a uh, wonderful vet? Anyway, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means have a reverence for God, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that when you're nudged to love somebody, do it. Don't put it off. Because what happens if you put it off? No, 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 no. Your heart gets hard. Your conscience, okay, uh, gets seared. You become, all of a sudden, you're going, you're blind to the things of God because you says no so many times. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, we're born again. We're not going to lose that. You tell us that in John 10, 27, 28, 29. Double grip. We're not going to lose that. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of God, Romans 8, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41. Nothing. But here's the thing. Be faithful with little now. 
have more responsibility, which is going to bring joy, added joy and favor in your life, as you move forward. I know there are things. I'm hearing about relationships galore. People coming together to mentor. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it like almost every day. People just say, oh, we're going to meet, meet with so-and-so. We're going to go through the brown book. You know, oh, I'm going to just meet somebody. Uh, somebody in my family I'm going to meet just for prayer. Yes. Yes. Connection time. The will of God being lived out through you to touch others. And then it says, for it is God's work works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's, it's God who wills inside of you to motivate you, to get you excited. That's right. That's right. Andrew, that's exactly right. Now, I'll tell you this. In Bible study, sometimes we'll get that in Bible study. Sometimes we'll get up and dance around. So and if you do that, that's fine too. I love it. It's your excitement in the Lord. So, so God, who works in you, because you know Christ, remember to Christians, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, here's the thing. If we say, nope, God's asked me to study with this person. Nope. God wants me to do discipleship. Nope. God wants me to, uh, to, to come and support this ministry. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. If we disregard <laughs> this exhortation, we don't experience God's perfect love due to our sinfulness. We don't want to block it. Don't block it. Because then we become blind to his purposes. We let in darkness, and it clouds our vision. We don't have the grandiose picture of God's purpose and plan for our life being lived out. When we say no, when we quench the Holy Spirit, when we say, no, I know this is right, but I want to do this. I know this is right, but I want to do this. And here's why again, a double why, a double why. We must know that there is a kind of punishment, uh -oh, a kind of punishment that God enacts in the same way that the earthly father punishes his children rightly for their good. So he punishes Christians. If you go to Hebrews 12, 6, it says that God disciplines those he loves. His children, he disciplines. So, so it's like, I'm engaging in evil. I don't feel his discipline. I don't feel anything. He's not like your friend who's not going to talk to you. He's God. He has a way of disciplining much different than your friend down the street or your longtime childhood friend. He disciplines. That's the way he deals with our struggle and sin. He disciplines. A loving father, the best loving father, <laughs> he disciplines. Let me tell you something that was weird yesterday. Weird. And, and, and maybe I'm growing. Maybe I'm growing. Liz and I are going to watch a show. It's a history show on Amazon. It's a depiction of King somebody. But when it came on, you know the little words, says foul language, violence. Well, it said nudity. Said nudity. And, and, and maybe for the first time, as quickly as it happened, I said, Liz, I can't watch that. I don't want to lose God's blessing 
Sunday. I don't want to lose God's blessing in my life by engaging in something that I know I shouldn't see. She respected that. And so, and so these are the types of things that we get, we know we shouldn't do it. We do it and say, okay, and, 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 we're not, and God's not going to pin you down in your room, duct tape you to the wall. No, he's a loving father who disciplines perfectly. And it can, it can. This is not to scare anybody, but just while we're passing by here, in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land. And, they, and they, they, they deceived people by holding some of the money back and letting people think all the money was going. So it was deception. Well, God took them home. That was New Testament. New Testament. God took them home. That was New Covenant. God took them home. 1 Corinthians 11. They're having the Lord's Supper. And some are participating irreverently. He, called, he caused some to fall asleep. Christians, Church of Corinth, he took them home. So, so he's not past that. If, if it's right for us to exit, it's better for us to exit because just things aren't going well, he'll take us. To die is to gain. But the family is what mourns. Oh, gracious. Okay, last, our sinful humanity stinks. Oh, when Jesus comes back, it will be gone. Gone for good. <laughs> oh, yes. But thanks be to God, we've been called into a relationship with him, which continually demands a faith response. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so all day we're thinking, what can I do to please you? What can I do to do nudge, take your nudge into this direction to change, to change life? Um, so as our praise team is up singing, what are you going to do with them? You know so many facets about him, what are you going to do? Maybe just stay where you're at and praise him and just, and just give thanksgiving overwhelmingly again and again and again and again and again. And it still wouldn't be enough. But he says, thank you. If you don't know this God, this Jesus, you don't want to wait and then been given over to the desires of your flesh just say, boy, we lost him. We lost her. So as the music plays, come forward with whatever decision you might have. Or just come and pray to pray and praise and give thanks at the altar. Your choice. But it does demand a response of some sort. Maybe you got to excuse yourself out back and call somebody right now to make a relationship that's gone wrong. Make it right. I don't care what people think around you. If you would stand right now, if there's anybody that needs a relationship with Jesus, Liz, if you would come forward. Steve, if you would come forward, please. James, if you would come forward. Bo and Tabby, if you would please come forward, please. Anybody need a relationship with Christ? You've learned all about Him. 
don't be embarrassed of him. He saves your very soul if you would trust him for salvation.